To date, we've sold over 3 million deodorants since we, since we launched, and we just raised another um, 5 million from our investors, which has been great. In order to grow fast and be successful, you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna do things wrong. Entrepreneurship is it's not easy, and joining a startup, it's not easy. This is The Summit by Fearless Adventures. I'm Dominic McGregor, and every week, my co-founder David Nunes and I will be talking to inspirational leaders about their experiences as they strive towards their summit. Welcome to The Summit. We're here today to talk to inspirational leaders about their professional and personal lives and everything in between. Uh, today, we're joined by Fred, who was the marketing director at HelloFresh, part of the founding team, and has recently um, built Wild, which is an eco-friendly deodorant business. So yeah, welcome, Fred. It's no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no pressure. Welcome. Talk to us, you know, you were marketing director at HelloFresh. How did that come about? You know, how did you start that journey? What inspired you about that? Well, um, firstly, thanks very much for, for having me, guys. And um, definitely in, in awe of you guys and all you've achieved. So I think I've got a long way to go before. Um, but good to be on the, on the same table, at least. Um, so, so, yeah, just um, to give you a bit of background on me, um, I'm the founder of Wild. Um, Wild's mission is to remove single-use plastic and unnecessary ingredients from people's personal care routines. And prior to starting Wild, as you mentioned, I was one of the early employees at HelloFresh, um, completely by chance. Um, so uh, to, to give you a bit of context, I left university, was kind of scratching around for a job and failed to get into any of the traditional uh, big corporates uh, failed all the kind of psychometric tests or, or, so, or sort of whatever. Um, so it was kind of forced down into thinking a little bit more entrepreneurial and um, kind of felt like sales skills were something that could be a strength of mine, not really knowing I'd done history at university. So that wasn't much use. So I actually jumped into a small drinks company called Firefly and my job was to go around shops and sell in these um, natural drinks, fill my backpack up, fill it with ice packs and uh, go from shop to shop around London trying to flog these um, natural drinks. From that experience, you know, A, I learned quite a lot and I enjoyed sales and was was relatively good at it. And, um, you know, when I did get to the office, I was like, God, startups are cool. They had this amazing office in the middle of Bishop's Park. I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I definitely want to work in startups. And so, you know, at that stage, I was like, well, you know, food was kind of a passion of mine. And I wanted to get into one of the, you know, up and coming startups in London and um, applied to this job, sales job at HelloFresh. And you know, I always say that the best thing about startups is they've got no money um, for recruitment. So if you're lucky enough to find a job ad for a startup, you're probably one of the only people that's applying for it. So I think five people applied to this job, um, two dropped out, um, one was totally irrelevant. So they basically had to hire me. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you say, you know, direct people know HelloFresh now, what was the company in that state? When you say startup, let's just tell people. So, you know, literally when I came in for an interview, they didn't have, I, I, had, I had to sit on a box uh, <laughs> and I turned up in a suit because I've sort of always been told like you got to go to an interview in a suit. And um, there were guys, like three people, basically boxes everywhere. They were it, it looked, fresh boxes. Uh, hello, they weren't branded at this time. They okay. were just, they were just non-branded. Um, and they were doing the what they call the repack in the boardroom. So the boardroom table looked like a cocaine den because they were repacking flour um, into small uh, uh, into small sachets. So they're literally sending out you know twenty boxes a week. Um, and this place was absolute chaos. Um, uh, they, they'd rented this 
office on on like top of a massive um, tool building. The building was kind of being demolished, so the lifts didn't work. Um, but the rent was like super super cheap, so uh, you had to like walk all the way up and all the way down. Chaos. So real real startup um, startup kind of stuff. Um, and uh, you know, I I loved the energy and 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 kind of could tell that there were some pretty talented people, particularly Ed, who was my eventual boss. They kind of had a clear vision and they knew what they wanted to to do. And, and I thought, look, worst case scenario, I learn a lot from this experience, and I realised that I'm not cut out for startups or recipe ends and ingredients is is a rubbish idea. Or you know, best case, we can you know, I never thought what would then happen did kind of happen, but. Um, kind of um, thought well I'll, I'll learn a lot and it'll be um, it'll be a lot of fun amazing so you know at that point did they even have a brand what did what did you have to start with when, you know they designed their logo on clip art right um, so, <laughs> is the same one that's still there <laughs> uh, is that still a thing <laughs> uh, so, so, so just to give you a bit of context about HelloFresh it was it was a rocket internet business yeah, yeah. Um, and Rocket's idea was to like find good business models, copy them and take them to countries they haven't been introduced yeah. to before. And typically that was finding big American, so like copied Airbnb, um, copied some other big ideas. But this was actually different. They, this was a model from Sweden. Um, and it had something like 4% household penetration in Sweden, recipe boxes. And then they didn't exist anywhere else in the world at that time. So they, they said, well, that's a really interesting idea. Let's take that idea and launch HelloFresh. And they launched in Berlin first, and then quickly after that in Amsterdam and London. Um, and it was kind of like, well, let's try a couple of different markets. And, and Rocket, I think, give you a couple of million quid, basically, and um, six months to prove that it works. And if you prove that it works, then there's quite a lot more capital that they'll get behind of it. But they're very ruthless. Um, you know, I think in my time in the UK, we ended up being in a rocket office and, you know, companies would come and go every week. Uh, it was just kind of bit, bit crazy in it. Um, so sort of survival of the fittest. And, and there were moments where it was very 50-50, where the HelloFresh would kind of go from that kind of promising with some encouragement and then really, really take off. And actually we have the Netherlands, you know, figured it out first and started going really well. And then from there, the whole business started to gain some momentum. So that's your kind of like foundations into to business. Did you ever feel like you were an entrepreneur at that point and you could make the jump to being the person in the boardroom packing the... <laughs> uh, packing the herbs and spices? Yeah. Um, n- no, not, not at that stage. Um, I think I just felt like I was going to throw everything into it. So, so my job was to go to sales events. So I went all around the country with a couple of roll-up banners and I would be selling people recipe boxes and trying to get them in to kind of sign up. And that just happened to be the only channel that worked for us. So I became quite important in the business because I was running the only marketing channel that was being successful. But, but certainly at that stage, I was just like all about learning, all about where can I go and and felt pretty like there wasn't a lot of job security and and I was always like well they'll bring someone in on top of me or um of course they want someone to to get experience but but where I was really lucky is every time there was an opportunity to step up they said look we're not going to hire someone we'll give you a couple of months to like run this bigger team so don't just do sales why don't you take on marketing and then you know marketing can have brand performance crm dot to to kind of build that up and and in the end was running a team of like 25 people by the time i left and and was still kind of running that that whole thing 
So when when that journey was that kind of catalyst of it's my time. Um, so I think the first time actually that I w- I started to think about that, I read an article um, in in a newspaper and it, and it was talking about all the innocent alumni um, and what they'd gone on to do and the people that have been early in that journey in the first five, 10 years had, had all gone on to create some incredible kind of businesses sort of beyond that. And I sort of started to think, well, what's interesting is clearly if, if you're in a really successful business and you see that on the front line, you can then start to learn and, and kind of apply that and, and, and go into your own thing. And, you know, when I got to, I was six years I did at HelloFresh and then in the last year, it just became quite clear that it was ready for some new energy and new blood in my role. And I wasn't particularly good. It became quite political and that wasn't where my strengths or my kind of passion lay. So I was like, well, I really want to get back into startups Um, and met a few kind of founders and thought maybe I'll go and be um, CMO or director of marketing. And and through those conversations, really, I was like, hold on a minute. I I don't want to go and just do what I've done before and report into someone and, and kind of have the same whining about not owning things. You know, I, I think you've got to, I really wanted to take on that responsibility and felt like I had a good chance to go and apply what, what I'd learned. And at the same time, my business partner, Charlie, was kind of looking to start something. He was running a little reusable coffee cup business from his, um, from his living room and I'd go around there every weekend and he'd be piling up more and more boxes. And, um, and so we're like, hey, it feels like the right time for us to go and crack into something new. And that's when Wild was born, was it? The deodorant business? Exactly. So we, we basically said, look, reusable coffee cups were six years too late to, uh, to kind of go after yeah. this market. But the, the theory that everyone, you know, pretty much everyone was using a Chili's bottle or a um, Keep cup. Um, and I think for us, it was like, uh, if we're doing that with water why is everyone still using plastic in all the products that they've got in their home? In particular, the the bathroom just seemed like a real um, area where there wasn't a lot of innovation, um, quite a lot of large companies dominating that space. And as you guys know, as entrepreneurs, that's, that's when you think, oh, this is exciting. This is a big challenge, but let's, let's, let's have a crack. Now you are working for business now, you own it. How's it, what's, how's it feel different? I acted like an owner at HelloFresh. Um, you know, I, I really cared, probably too much sometimes to the detriment of my, you know, mental health, it, it, you know, on that journey. I made a lot of hiring mistakes, for example, and having to, you know, let people go or give bad feedback. I used to, to, to kind of hate and I made big decisions towards the end that, you know, some of them didn't pay off. And I, I really took that personally as if it was my company and how I spent, you know, how I spent that money was my money. So it wasn't, a, it wasn't like a massive transition from that kind of mindset to running my own business but you know now I I probably have a bit more confidence and I've learned a bit from those mistakes and not you know just realizing that in order to um, grow fast and be successful you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna do things wrong you're gonna hire some of the wrong people you're gonna take bet that don't work you're gonna have things that blow up on social media that you can't control and you know, and you've got to take those lows with, with the highs and, and try and balance it out and have a more even keel. And also, I've been really lucky to have a co-founder and I don't think I could do a business where it was just just me. I think it just really helps having someone uh, alongside me who can help guide me through that and who's, he's, I'm quite sort of 
bit intense and quite emotional. He's quite like chilled and relaxed and got a lot of self-confidence. So that it kind of works quite well together. I think it's also your journey is interesting. You know, you've, you've been able to sort of be really part of, a, of an amazing journey, then go and do it yourself. Feels yeah. like, you know, a real privileged position, but also like you've seen all that learning agenda you've had is, it, you know, it's, it's cool. Amazing. There are not many people who've had a front row seat building a hundred million pounds yeah. direct to consumer business in the UK and in a like incredibly competitive market, you know, Gusto are now 1.5 billion, you know, valuation business. And the, there's some great executors there. So, but what that forced everyone is, you know, you're bringing in good talent, you are like fighting and you're, you're kind of learning how to perfect the game and, and, you know that that definitely has helped us how do you think being an entrepreneur and the kind of resilience you need affects people's mental health and, and have you seen that firsthand yeah i have i mean i would say that f- food is the most stressful business you can do as an entrepreneur because you've got stuff live in your supply chain seven days a week um and you know chickens moving through that and if they get stopped at some point or it starts going off or we were working the whole leadership team for for all for a number of years were working all the time because we get phone calls the weekend okay 500 customers next week aren't going to get this what's what's the email communication what's the sms strategy what's the customer care strategy you know how are you going to plan it out so um you know and marketing i was you know towards the end of it becoming a bit more detached because it had to become operational issues and 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 process driven but it was phenomenally, phenomenally difficult. And at that time, mental health sort of grown a lot in the last few years. It's awareness and how we talk about it and how we think about it. But at that time, it was very much, particularly in, in a rocket internet business, just kind of get your head down and get on with it and, and solve it. And those, you know, the strong people will, will kind of pull through. And I think now I have a slightly, you know, I, I'm learning all the time and I'm a bit more aware now for the team and, thinking about how we do it but it's hard right because entrepreneurship is it's not easy and joining a startup it's not easy and I I don't what I what I focus more on is trying to set expectations when people want to come on this journey I'm just like look if you want a nice job well-paid job that um that is is not going to put too much strain on your mental health this like just don't this is probably going to challenge you at times that you you're going to be outside of that comfort zone and then for me it's like over the six years that I was at HelloFresh and, and now trying to feed down some of the mechanisms I've used to, to cope with that and manage that pressure. And, and ultimately, work is it's just a job and it's just a business and, and you've got to care and you've got to, you've got to want to make it work and, and all those things, but there are more important things in life. And you know, I'm, I became a dad just as I started this business and that gave me a lot of context of what's actually important in the end that's been such a common thread from people talking about kind of their motivations you know i think what what drives people and i think everyone who's come on and had kids have said that kids have helped them realign their focus because maybe when they were younger they were spending more misguided time chasing things for the wrong reasons rather than chasing what they should be doing so, obviously, in the business today, where, where's Wild today? Kind of buy the products? Is it available? Where's, where's the mission on? Yeah, so we're, we're about two years in since yep. we kind of properly launched. Launched in April 2020, okay. the week we went into lockdown. Gosh. Um, so <laughs> in, again, re- in retail? Uh, not in retail. <laughs> uh, DC, but, it, you know, at the bottom of the... Sub- 
when you're a small guy, people are not, and things are going wrong, you're at the bottom of the priority list. So that was quite a challenge. But what we were very lucky is that, um, as you guys will have seen, uh, COVID drove a lot more people online. It drove huge amount of opportunity for D2C. And the whole sector, as a result, has be- became slightly overhyped. But what we were able to do in those first few months, and we didn't realise how good we had it, but um, we were able to grow really fast and um, and kind of tap into people being at home and and also just becoming more aware of sustainability and what they're buying. And, and so we kind of really hit the moment and the zeitgeist and we're really able to tap into that. So always the strategy year one, um, D to C, we launched with a product that was like 70% there. Yeah. So it was, it was sort of 70% good, but we knew there was another 30% to go. But it would have taken us two years to get there if we'd just done it through t- traditional. So it was sort of more launch, and then use that feedback, use that insight to just keep refining and, and improving. And we're still doing that today. And I think that's where D2C can, can be a massive, massive advantage for um, high growth kind of companies. And then last year, we launched also into retail. So we launched into Sainsbury's on the Future Brands program, um, Waitrose and, and Boots. So it's kind of a multi-channel strategy now um, and also kind of expanding in Europe. So in a couple of European countries now, which, is, which has been good. And yeah, I think to date we've sold over three million deodorants since we since we launched, and we just raised another um, five million from our from our investors, which has been great. So you know, a lot of entrepreneurs here are building brands right now. What would you say you need to do to build a brand in today's world? What's important? Good question. Uh, I, I think there has to be essences of you that come through that. So for Charlie and I, I think we felt we wanted something. You know, we felt like the eco space was really well catered for um, and not not something where we massively wanted to compete or, or or kind of contest. What we wanted to create was a slightly more relatable, accessible brand that had a bit of fun and that we had some fun on the way and we didn't take ourselves too seriously. You know, we take our mission and we, you know, we try and deliver to that mission as best we can, but also to inject a bit of personality. So you may have seen they forced me into Trafalgar Square with just a um a billboard on my uh covering me up um <laughs> and sort of encouraging people just to wear deodorant um but nothing else for for valentine's day and and um you know th- those things are a bit of fun but you know the brand is meant to be a bit wild and 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 to do things a bit different and it, you know you can't i think the mistake i often see is people go to a branding agency that they get the the name done for them, the strategy done for them, these beautiful colors, and they look great. You know, these websites look great, these brands sound great, but there's no, there's no kind of personality. So with Wild, you know, we did the brand name, we did a lot of the um, kind of brand work ourselves, even though we, we weren't great and it wasn't perfect, but, but it's all part of, it has, there has to be a bit of you in it. Otherwise, I, I don't think it will ever feel authentic. Fascinating. So it's also that you see big companies trying to create new brands completely fail because there's no authenticity, there's no DNA there. And I think that's the role of the entrepreneur to really, if you're going to reinvent and disrupt industries, brands can be created from real personal values, I think. Yeah, and, and, and risk appetite. Yeah. You know, you're uh, in a large company, 10 people sign off any creative and you have PR departments and you have copywriting departments and you have lead lead creators and um you know these people shiver when i you know performance marketer come in and try and you know sort of do things in 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 general 
And then the, the other side to that is, is brand is partly that external bit and, and it partly comes of what are you creating internally and, and how are you giving your team the confidence, you know, because I can't control every Instagram post or every Facebook post or, you know, what, what videos we're making, but I can try and show the way of like, these are our, um, these are our pillars and, and, and here are all the things we failed doing or were, were mistakes, but just go and try and take some risks. Whereas if you're in a big company, you're like, ah, like I really don't want my boss to think I made a mistake because then it's going to make me look bad. But we, we, we think of it completely opposite. And it's trying to say, look, we, in order to like move fast and win in, in a high growth market, you have to fail sometimes. And that's, that's okay. Is that mindset the mindset of big companies or is it the mindset of the people of big companies? Hard to know, really, isn't it? I think if, if you join a startup, you naturally have higher risk appetite. A lot of people join a company, you know, like me joining HelloFresh, I was like, I was passionate about food. So there's, there's a slightly deeper connection rather than just like, there's this ladder for 20 years. And if I do X and Y, I then move to here. And then if I do this, you know, there's, there's, there's a bit more safety. And that's the kind of game you're trying to play. Whereas a startup, it's like, well, if I knock this out of the park, I can be running this whole department or I get this X amount of budget. So it, it, I think there are different incentives that encourage it. But there's also, you know, startups tend to attract people who have more, you know, more flair in general as well. And did you start to feel that big company mindsets creeping into HelloFresh? And was that a driver for you to go, I'm going to do it myself? Yeah, towards the end. And, and, and look, you have to you have to kind of become a big company, you know, you have to grow up and you can't have people um, putting things on, you know, without some oversight and, and, and control. And, and ultimately they were trying to create a global brand. So that's really, it's really hard creating brand in one country, but trying to create a brand in multiple countries is, is super hard. And I, I ended up in my last year, I was just, I was spending 90% of my time on calls trying to get our agenda or get our, you know, what we, what I needed to get my team to, to sort of do things. And, and it was a great experience. And I met a lot of, and learned from a lot of great people, but it's not where long-term my energy was. And I wanted to get back to kind of moving faster, breaking things and taking some more risks. So you're like definitely on like the track to your kind of like summit. Do you have like a goal and a name of like when you think you go, that's where I'm heading to? No, not not especially. I think um, for, for me, it's I, I really want to build something that we can be proud of. I want to build a team and a culture that I enjoy coming to work. Um, and I want to win. I want to be, um, you know, there's just in this innate co- competitive nature. And, and in any D2C business, you know, when, when you're onto something good, you're going to get competition. And I, I definitely don't want to let them, you know, take market share from me or uh, or grow. But it's it sort of let's see how big we can make it and let's see where we can we can go. But there's no kind of fixed spot of this is what success would look like. And it's probably more when I look back at my time at HelloFresh, you know, and I was lucky to have shares and, you know, so there's sort of the, there was financial success there and, and, um, and that was kind of great, but it, it was always quite, I suppose, quite short term for me. My moment that I most um, think about now is when I left, the day I left, the company, you know, made this like five minute montage 
video of my life at HelloFresh and all the kind of moments. They put a huge amount of effort into it. There was just kind of a mutual love and I made a lot of good friends and, and I just had this incredible journey. Um, and, and that's now, when I look back, that is more precious and more, um, you know, more a sense of achievement than, than a lot of the financial stuff that, you know, when I was going on that journey, I thought that's what would would motivate me and and you know when that that would be great and and don't don't get me wrong that stuff is great but I think feeling part of something and building connections out of that you know that's that's where the long-term stuff comes from thank you for joining us on this episode of the summit Um, we hope you enjoyed Fred sharing his journey and we hope what you hear in this episode helps you on your next adventure